This is Strength Agenda Radio, the podcast where the strong go to get smarter. Each episode features some of the most interesting athletes and coaches in the strength world, sharing their favorite stories, expertise, biggest mistakes, and training tips. And now, here's your host, Tom Soroka. And here it is, boys and girls, episode 24 of Strength Agenda Radio, featuring Highland Games Pro, renowned strength and conditioning coach, and my good friend, Kerry Overfeld. He's a down-to-earth Southern boy who loves to talk training in all facets, so I really hope you guys are listening, especially all you young strength and conditioning coaches are out there, because this is going to be a good one. But before that, we have some questions we need to get to. So today's question is as follows. Hey, Strength Agenda Radio. I think that's the first time I've been referred to as that. Uh, I've lost my shine. By this, I mean I dread going to the gym. Training feels like work, and I'm just not motivated to train anymore. Is this something I will get over, or should I make some changes? I feel like if I stop, I'll let a lot of people down if I go to do something else, but sometimes I will look for any reason to not train, and that is happening more and more. Any suggestions? Well... I mean, this one really kind of speaks to me. Uh, Not kind of. It really does speak to me. Um, I I dealt with this a lot in the last, especially the last four or five years of my training life. But plain and simple, if you aren't enjoying yourself, no matter what you're doing, why are you doing it? Um, Like I said before, I've had this issue for a long time. When I was with MDUSA, I would do stuff. I would deal with injuries. I would suffer through training sessions that I thought made absolutely no sense because the team needed me, you know, whether it was points at a a, a national competition or I didn't want to disappoint my coaches or I didn't want to let anybody down who was following along with my journey and believed in me to make the Olympics or the Olympic trials or anything like that. Um, After that, for those of you who know, I, I tried doing grid. Uh, that was my next thing uh, in CrossFit too, I suppose. Um, but I fell into the exact same trap. I started doing stuff because, for you know, one reason or another, um, I was trying to make somebody else happy, and I wasn't truly happy myself doing it. You know, and and throughout this entire process, I drove my body into the ground. I made myself insane some days, and I didn't have a ton to show from it. Now, that's not 100% accurate because I've learned so much from those experiences that I'm able to share with people like I am doing now. But my point is this. At that time, I wasn't a very happy person doing those things. I was just doing it, going through the motions because that's what everybody else was doing or that was what everybody else was expecting me to do. Um, so, you know, you can you can always live a life doing things for others um, if you're straightened out. You know, if you've got yourself figured out, um, but if you want to start, you know, you want to stop weightlifting, start doing yoga, do it. You know, you just want to snatch every day with a different variation because that's all that's clicking in your training, then do it. You think that you want to switch it up and follow a structured remote program or work with a different coach, then do it. But whatever you choose to do, you need to be doing it for you and you need to be, you need to be having fun do it, you know. Uh, or have fun doing it. Of course, there's always going to be trials and tribulations. Never, Nothing's ever just sunshine and rainbows, but the good should outweigh the bad if you are truly enjoying what you are doing. One of the hardest things, you know, as a coach is, is one, trying to prevent burnout with your lifters. And two, if that burnout is there, seeing it and saying, you know, 
I think it's time we need to do something else. You know, at the end of the day, you don't want to run yourself into the ground. You don't want to be running anybody else in the ground. Nothing good is going to come of that. Uh, one of my most favorite recent quotes that I've heard is, you don't have to light yourself on fire to keep others warm. You know, what this means is get yourself sorted and then you can start focusing outward on how it relates to others. Figure out what you want to do, what gives you that inspired feeling inside and do it and do it for you. Oh, and if you could have some fun while you're doing it, that'd be great too. But uh, speaking of fun, let's get to the show. You know, let's get this whole thing going on the road. Give me two claps and Ric Flair. <laughs> Woo! Welcome to Strength Agenda Radio. My guest today is uh, somebody I've known for uh, quite, a, uh, quite a long time. Um, he's a strength and conditioning coach. He played college football. He was one of the uh, first people that introduced me to the conjugate method as well as kind of gave me a ton of advice. That kind of, he did give me a ton of advice, you know, when it came to the Highland Games and pros. And I, I got to hang out with him down in uh, Kentucky a couple times, especially at the uh, famed Neutral One nightclub. Um, my guest today is Kerry Overfeld. Kerry, how you doing, bud? I'm great, man. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. So um, give people a little bit of background on yourself. Um, talk about, you know, where you were in high school, college in terms of sports and stuff like that. Um, you know, what you did post-collegiately and then talk about, you know, how you've gotten to the point you're at working with all the different athletes and stuff that you get a chance to, to deal with on a daily basis. Okay. Uh, kind of started out, um, bodybuilding was actually my first, uh, first love, first passion. Um, I always knew I wanted to lift weights and I wanted to look like a bodybuilder because I was such a little comic book nerd. Uh, I didn't start playing high school football till late, uh, till like my junior year. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, I just, just kind of worked out where I was just kind of with these set of friends that weren't really into sports as much as I was, even though I still watched football and kept up with a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, it had a lot, had a really really big impact on me when I started playing uh, my junior year. I really fell in love with football even more than I already did, but uh, went to college and had one semester or two semesters uh, at Eastern Kentucky. I came home and decided that I was too stupid to be in college, so mm -hmm. I was just going to work. Uh, you know, as most people did, I came from a small town. Most everybody's poor. You know, everybody works survival. You know, my whole life was survival mode, basically. You know, watching uh, my single mom, you know, work her butt off all the time. You just kind of had that, you know, mindset that, hey, your job is to make it to the next day. <laughs> so, if for me, it was never a thing where I thought I would be in doing any of this stuff. Uh, so, I got into bodybuilding at a local gym. Uh, my cousin was actually a powerlifter. And they tried to talk me into doing powerlifting, and it just didn't, just didn't catch me. Just didn't really grab me. Started uh, with a guy named Brett Underwood, who I give every bit of my success and credit to, because if not for that man, I wouldn't know the stuff today that I know. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't yell at my little millennials today, like uh, you know, if not for him, because he yeah. taught me the way. He taught me the old school way. Um, so when I started bodybuilding, the first thing that he was teaching was technique, you know, very, very, very anal on technique issues and, and doing stuff right. And, uh, you know, how, how to do stuff, why not to take a shortcut, why not to do this simple stuff like, uh, and I know you see it all the time, Tom bouncing the bar off your chest on bench. Yeah. You know, I, he would, he would rape me over that. I mean, he would just scream at me over that. 
you know, control that bar all the way down. Don't let the bar control you. So right, right. that was really my first real mentor in the iron game. Uh, old school gym. Uh, we had no air conditioning in the summer. Uh, we uh, it was pretty it's pretty miserable in the summer there sometimes. Well, I can imagine yeah, down there. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so uh, that was my first, you know, that was my first couple of years. So about age twenty twenty one, I decided uh, I was athletic enough. Now, mind you, I was never that athletic in high school. Uh, yeah, I didn't yeah. consider myself a very good athlete. So watching football, and this is just this was so random. Uh, watching Bo Jackson, yeah. looking at Bo's physique. Do you remember the? Do you remember the fat hamstrings he had? Yeah, like yeah, they were I, huge. If any athlete never aspired to look like Bo Jackson, let alone try to accomplish half of the things he did, if you didn't try to want to just look like him. You were yes. doing it wrong. I mean, I remember like guys like him in Old Field, and like for I used to watch the Superstars competitions with my dad. Yeah, and like all those guys that were on there, I'm like, that's that's what an athlete looks like. Like that's yes. what you want to look like. Well, so it started uh, my obsession with uh, hamstrings. Yeah. Little did I know with that time, you know, back in the early you know '90s when I started doing this. Little did I know that it was you know such you know posterior chain what it was called, you know, yeah. of course I didn't know that just the backside is all I yeah. considered. Hey, Bo has these big, huge hunking hams yeah. hanging off the back of his leg. Yep. That's what I want to have. Right. So I worked hamstrings like crazy and it ended up becoming, and still is today, my strongest body part. Right. Um, you know, I never knew it was going to, you know, help me so much. So when I started uh, playing college football at age, you know, 2021, 20, whatever it was, you know, all these other guys are coming in at like age 18, age 19. And here I am the old guy, you know, 21 yeah. years old, but I, I knew I could do it. I believe that in myself that I could do that and nobody else was doing it. And I kind of, I just had this mentality my whole life that I did things different than everybody else. I never wanted to be normal. Right. I never wanted to be like everybody else. Right. You know, like uh, all the dudes think that, you know, blonde hair, blue eyed, you know, hot chick, you know, that's it. That's what you aspire to have. That's what right. you aspire to date. Not me. I'm yeah. looking for the ethnic chick or I'm looking for something <laughs> with something. You know, I've got to have something different. Yeah. And that's kind of been the whole, you know, my whole life. So when I told my friends I was going uh, to play college football, the laughs, the jokes, uh, yeah. all this, I got it all. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to prove you wrong. So yeah. I did. I was captain my senior year. I was a two-time all-conference. Uh, you know, I played offensive line at six foot tall because I played at small podunk Camelsville University, yeah. which is an NAI school. Yeah. Um, you know, you're not. We ran the option, so I'm chasing linebackers and, yeah. uh, you know, stuff all day. So I didn't have to be 6'6", 315 like, you know, a couple of kids that I actually trained. No, you guys <laughs> so, be able to move. Right. So, um, went there, did that, uh, during that time period was actually my first ever client. Um, so I'd studied bodybuilding, but I'd studied all the realms of lifting, not just bodybuilding. Yeah, so right. from the age of 18 to 20 or 21, I didn't 
I did not read anything that wasn't muscle related. You right. know, if it could build muscle or it could make you faster, I read it and I tried it. That yeah. was the other thing that I can go all the way back to. I guarantee you in another couple of years, we're going to see the new craze is 100 rep sets. Yes. Because yes. everything's recycled. My grandmother told me one time, keep something 20 years, it'll come back in. Yeah. She's right. And it's the same way in the fitness world. I see it. You know, I've been in it so long, um, you know, that everything is kind of recycled. Well, mm -hmm. I would, I never, and I tell my people this still to this day, what you're doing in your program, I've done it. Yes. I wanted to know what it felt like. I wanted to know yep. if I'm not under the bar, if I'm not in the trenches with you, am I really that good of a coach? Do I really know to tell you what to expect? Exactly. No, that's, I don't. That, yeah, that, that's one of the things that I always tell my athletes that I work with now, whether it's weightlifting, sports performance, whatever the, 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 the athlete is doing, is like I'm not going to have you do something I either haven't done or I'm not willing to test out myself. Like I work with a couple of CrossFit exactly. athletes, and I'll still yeah. test I'll test out conditioning pieces before I write them down because I'm yeah. like, this looks horrible. I want to know how horrible <laughs> it is so I can prepare people. So I'll do it. It's the worst thing ever. But, like, yeah. I feel like that just gives you that extra buy-in. Like, I, I don't know if I can ever be at the point where I'm just going to work out to work out. Like, I just either needs to be a purpose, there needs to be something, like, pushing me to get, like, training done and workouts done and all that stuff. And I don't, I'm the same way. I just, I don't, I don't understand how some of these people, like, I, I've, I've had coaches flat out, like, we have at our, one of our local high schools, they have, they're teaching people how to do power cleans and stuff like that. And I'm like, have you ever learned how to do it the right way? And they're like, no. This is how yeah. we did it, so it's going to work. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Well, that's you know, that's the thing that I don't, I forget about myself all the time. Uh, I second guess myself probably yeah. at least ten times a day right. uh, because I want to make sure that I'm doing the best I possibly can for all of my clients and for my athletes. Right. Um, luckily, I have one of the greatest resources at my disposal. Uh, my my girlfriend is a has a doctorate in physical therapy and she is oh, an nice. outside the box physical therapist. Nice. So I'll do stuff in our training and she'll stop and be like, "How did you know to do that?" And I will say, "I have no idea. It just felt like it should be right. Right. It felt like this. You know, this is what will work. This and because of this, she'll stop, Tom, and can break down every angle of mitochondria and muscle fiber." that's working, why it's working, and what other muscles are working around it. And I'm right. sitting there going, yeah, I don't know any of that. I just yeah. know this looks like it might work. <laughs> right. So right. I have, you know, ha having that at my disposal helps too, but I've been like that, you know, forever. So, you know, getting back to my very first client as I had my roommate, um, who was a fantastic genius offensive lineman. Uh, he knew the game of football. He knew the game of angles. Uh, and if you've ever played football, you better know angles because, you know, it gets you somewhere much quicker than, you know, just going straight or just, you know, just going there. You've got to know yeah, how to angle to people. And how to, exactly. So, um, they told him his senior year, they said, you know, you're never going to see the field unless you lose weight. You know, my, a Brit was about three, he was about 350 and he was about my height, about six foot. Okay. And they said, you'll never see the field. So he comes to me 
another plus about bodybuilding is it's not one dimensional. It's no. not, and this is not a knock on Olympic lifting, but if I was doing Olympic lifting, I wouldn't worry that much about my weight or my nutrition as long as I'm throwing weight up. Same yep. thing in powerlifting. Unless I had to make weight or something, that's the only time I'd worry about it. In bodybuilding, your very first key, it better be nutrition because if not, you're not going to be a very good bodybuilder. So yeah, exactly. I knew nutrition um, just well enough that, you know, back then you didn't have these, you know, it's crazy now. And I see all these diet coaches, posing coaches, uh, you know, online training things going on. And I'm like, I had none of that. I had to guess, basically. I didn't have anybody that laid out a diet for me. I didn't have anyone that laid out my program for me. I did it myself. So you're talking about an 18. Now imagine this, Tom. You work with kids all the time. Mm -hmm. Imagine you set your kid over to the side. He's 18 years old, and you say, hey, in three months, you're going to do this bodybuilding show. Get ready. Yeah. Imagine what that, you know, what's that kid going to do? Today he would Google. Yeah. You know, he'd be on the internet. Now imagine uh, 1990. Now what do you do in 1990? That was me. Uh, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, yeah. basically going off what some of the old bodybuilders at the gym would tell me. Uh, Trial you know, and error, reading, essentially. Yeah, exactly. So reading through books, different stuff, just trying to figure out things, uh, you know, that way. So nutrition was kind of a thing that I had developed on my own. So that was the first thing that I fixed uh, for my buddy Brent, who was actually my roommate. Yeah. So we went from uh, May of that year till August in our training camp. He had lost about, uh, let's see, he was down to 290 from 350. Wow. Uh, had improved his bench press from 11 reps to 20 reps on the 225 test. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he took a full, complete second off his 40 time, Whoa. and he took about a second and a half off his uh, pro shuttle time. And that was just us, you know, that was me, again, basically he was my first client. I was like, here's what we need to do. Yeah. So there was a lot of hill sprints involved. Mm -hmm. um, oh my God, I was, love hill sprints. <laughs> yeah, we did a lot of hill sprints because... We had a hill there close to campus, and then we'd go downtown, and it was this grungy, grimy, old school, just, I mean, this place was falling apart. Um, 1970s, like, I'm pretty sure Lou and Arnold and Franco worked out with half the stuff we had. I mean, it was some it was some dingy stuff, but it got the job done. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, it was the first time, and he will, uh, he'll attest to this. I didn't know what jump stretch bands were. So yeah. we're talking like 1995. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what jump stretch bands were. I went down to the uh, tractor supply place, or actually the tractor, um, it was like a, in Campbellsville's a rural area. So they have a couple places that you can get your tractor tires changed on your tractor yeah. and repair place. I went down and I grabbed two tractor tire inner tubes and we did resisted sprints with those. That's awesome. Again, not knowing what a jump stretch band was, that would have been. No, now we had, not. you know, my trainer, uh, our trainer had a couple of bands, and uh, he said, "Why don't you guys try these?" We snapped those in like a heartbeat. Like it would, yeah. it was, it wasn't even, 
Like, it was awful. Like it were they, was. Were, were they like those? Were they like those thin therabands that you guys like? I know our athletic trainers and stuff like that at school. They were always trying to get us to use those for like shoulder stuff yeah. and whatever, and we would break them all the time. Yes, these were uh, these were tubed, but they were very oh. small. Like gotcha. Probably twenty to thirty pounds of resistance. Yeah. So of course that felt good when you snapped it. Oh yeah. So we had a guy that it did, and it snapped him right in the back. Uh, so. <laughs> We were just thinking, thank God that wasn't a tractor tire in or two, because that would probably killed us. Uh, but yeah, that's so those are because some of the things I started doing first, you know, with him. Yeah. Because in my mind, and without knowing, um, what produces speed? Yeah. You know, what you know, some people are just born fast. I get that. Yeah. You know, I understand that. But you know, what makes you go? Mm-hmm. And so I thought about you know, force, you know, you push the gas on a car, right? The force of the engine makes you go. Yeah. The bigger your engine, the faster you go, the more force you have. So to me, I just kind of, you know, it was just kind of common sense, I guess that if we could produce more force that we could, you know, he would go faster. And I didn't even care about going faster over a long period of time. I just needed him to go fast for like two or three steps because he's an offensive lineman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's just just different. So that's kind of, that was kind of my very first intro to like, you know, doing training stuff. Um, You know, then I started, was going to teach. So I got my teaching degree. uh, Oh my God. Graduated. Phenomenal PE teacher. Please tell (laughs) me you at least taught for a year. (laughs) I did teach PE for like two years. Uh, we did two years of PE. Uh, we did our so funny story on that. So I was teaching PE. Yeah. And I'm 26, 27 years old. Uh, I look up and my class is packed. Like there's 30 kids in this thing. Yeah. And like 20 of them are chicks. And I'm like, they've taken this class thinking it's just going to be like a study hall. Yeah. Like yeah. nothing's going to happen. So was this at a high school? It was at a high school. So I come back the next, next day and I said, okay, basically here's our curriculum of how this is going to be done. Make sure that you have a towel and make sure you have a change of clothes because you will sweat today. Yeah. Every day. So our first nine weeks, you'll love this Tom. Our first nine weeks was we warmed up just like you'd warm up a basketball team, football team, a dynamic warm up. We went through that. Um, Then we would go through and do, um, it would either be some kind of game or it would be at least 20 minutes of, you know, I didn't have anything in the gym other than the bleachers and the floor. So a lot of lunges, a lot of step-ups on the bleachers, a lot of push-ups off the bleachers, a lot of planks, all this stuff. So the first nine weeks was nine weeks of hell. Oh, I can imagine so all of a sudden, my class went from thirty to eighteen. Oh yeah, and it was I mean, just it, guys. In 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 this day and age, you would have gotten fired in the first four weeks. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding when I say that, and it's not. You're probably I'm, right. I'm I'm a teacher right now. I love my job to death. Um, but that doesn't happen anymore. That kind of a curriculum wow. does not happen. You have to be very careful to not 
do things that are going to extremely push kids outside their comfort zone. And that's something like that seems like to guys like you and I, that seems like, Oh yeah, this is a great idea. Um, yeah. but I'm telling you right now in this day and age, like you would have either had, you would have been down in the principal's office at least every other day explaining what exactly happened because there would be some story that come out that you were like, it sounded like you were abusing the kids or the teachers would just be like, yeah, I just don't think this is going to work. Or the, uh, the, the administration. Know, it's, it's, it, it doesn't it, surprise it's def- me. It, it's definitely a weird dynamic because like stuff like you're talking about, like when I was in high school, um, our football coach ran the weightlifting class. Oh yeah. And it was, if you didn't do weightlifting, there was like, we had a, a cardio class that you could participate in, or there was, um, what was it? There was something along the lines of like a, uh, like a, like a, uh, um, like stations essentially like hit training yes. kind of stuff. Yes. And those yes. were your options as an athlete. Like you had to pick one of those three classes, like going to do badminton or general PE was not an option when I was in high school. Right. It was, you did weightlifting with the football coach, you did cardio. And I think he was a cross country coach that, or a swim coach that ran the cardio class. Or there was like a hit, like body weight dumbbells, like in one of the other gymnasiums that was ran by one of the volleyball coaches. And you, those were your three options for athletes. But like nowadays, I don't see a ton of that anymore just because of all the different, you know, just, just things are just different now than, than they were back, even back when I was in high school. Oh yeah. So we're, we're talking like, uh, so 99, 2000 is, yeah. you know, when I was, you know, teaching. So, um, but that's, you know, kind of, that, that was my, I had one PE class, the rest was, you know, I taught history, uh, you know, global issues, that kind of stuff. So anyway, that, that lasted for a couple, couple years. Uh, and basically that's when I had started, you know, really kind of making the move to getting better at Highland games. Yeah. Right. Um, so, and I guess I need to throw that in at some point, but so in like 1997, 1998, somewhere in that range, uh, I was looking for something else to do because college football is over. Absolutely. So in, in 98, uh, I went to, drove down to Jacksonville, Florida to do the Jacksonville game. Yeah. Uh, really had no ride down there, Tom. Just asked a couple of buddies, a uh, buddy of mine, Kelly Perry and Brad Holbrook were guys I'd kind of taken under my wing when yeah. they'd come in as freshmen. As I was a junior, and uh, so they're like, "Well, man, we'll drive you down there." So here we go. We hop in, we take off, we drive ten hours. Uh, we had another guy with us that played football with me that knew somebody that lived down in Jacksonville. So we were going to stay with them. We hoped. Yeah. So this is how this trip went. Now imagine you're going to do a Highland game, Tom. You have no really sure what you're going to be at. Not sure you've got a hotel room. Oh, but wow. you're going down to throw. <laughs> so we get down there, um, make it down. I meet Mike Neese, Mark Howe, and yeah. a couple other guys uh, while I'm there. And as you probably know, Mike Neese and I are still great friends to the day. Yeah. Uh, still love Mike to death. He's still one of the strongest humans I've ever laid eyes on. Yes, um, I would agree with that. So that's... Um, you know, going down had a lot of benefits because that got me started in Highland Games. Right. So, you know, going back now to 1999-2000, I asked the uh, the principal, I said, listen, I'm going to need just a few days, uh, 
you know, some sick days so that I could actually, you know, go do some of these Highland games because I'm going to eventually, you know, turn pro. Yeah. And uh, the guy was like, oh, I, just, I just don't see that happening. So I'm like, okay, no worries. So I just tell him, I'm done. I'm going to go work at the local gym. <laughs> Again, here I am leaving a career in yeah. teaching. And because I felt so strongly that I thought I could make money personal training. So right. this was a funny part. <clears throat> he said, <clears throat> I'm really worried about you, KO. I don't think you're going to be able to make it doing this training or gym thing. Oh, wow. And I said, uh, I said, well, Mr. Lopez, I said, I'm pretty sure that I could probably train about three clients a day, go home and sleep and do nothing and make more money than I'm actually making here. He uh, goes, yeah. oh, that's just no way. There's just no way you could do that. And I said, well, I said, I've, I've made my decision. So start working at the gym, um, start picking up a client here or there. But at the same time, I was coaching football, and I got um, probably the most, you know, you're talking about the, you know, earlier we were talking about the rugby kids uh, yeah. that were unathletic. Mm-hmm. Well, now imagine a full team of those, uh, but they're playing football. Right. So when I get to this school, it's a little bitty school. Yeah. Uh, here, in, here in the state of Kentucky, we do uh, 1A up to uh, 6A. Okay. So we're a 1A school. So that meant we had about <laughs> like 20 kids on the team. 200 and, you know, 300 kids in a whole school. Yeah. And we had about anywhere from 20 to 30 kids on a football team at all times. So, uh, but it was a huge, it was big for me because I would get these kids, all great kids. Yeah. Like, yeah. I could do a whole podcast on, you know, the successfulness of these kids because this uh, private Catholic school that, excuse me, that I was actually teaching at, these kids were really smart and they're really yeah, good yeah. kids. Yeah. But they weren't, I needed some, and I can say this because I lived in the trailer park, I needed some trailer park kids. Right. right. I needed some ornery little SOBs that, you know, were just didn't care. Yeah. You know, didn't care about their body or anybody else's. Those are the kind of kids I needed. You needed a couple kids with some edge. <laughs> yes, Exactly. And uh, so I had to really, really think about how I want to do this stuff. So now imagine I'm just getting into strength and conditioning. Right. And I've got 130-pound kids all the way around. Like there's no farm kids. Like you don't have the six-foot-three, 240-pound Bubba. You don't Mm -hmm. have that kid. No. So so what – get into strength and conditioning, you start looking at what everybody's doing. So I started visiting places. So I went back to my old uh, college, which I will reference that when I was there was the god awfulest strength and conditioning program that has ever, ever, ever been. Yeah. I mean, the absolute worst. It couldn't have been worse. Obviously, if you're training people on your own team, I mean, I I would imagine that was my automatic assumption. Uh, was that the it training was conditioning horrible. program wasn't doing that kid any service. That's why you no. took over. So it was bigger, faster, stronger. Yeah. Which if you've ever really read the bigger, faster, stronger book, and I have, mm-hmm. if you tweak that just a little bit, it's probably a really good high school program. Yeah. You know, it pro- it's not too bad. However, 
when you do it like the guy that we had, which is our offensive line coach, which I'll say this was awful also. Yeah. Because he still wanted us to use a flipper. So, uh, yeah. So it was just terrible all the way around. Um, so when I got when I got into doing strength and conditioning for this team, I thought I'm going to be the greatest strength and conditioning coaches or coach this, these kids have ever seen because I didn't have it. Right. It was the same way in high school. It was the same way in college. And I thought I'm changing this right now. That's awesome. Because they deserve, you know, they deserve better. So, you know, I, I went, you know, went back to my old college that I had hired an actual strength and conditioning coach now and said, how do you do your stuff? How do you, what's your template? How does this work? So we started going through it and I sat with him for two hours, picking his brain on how to do stuff and what to do and all this stuff. Went back and started to implement some of the stuff. And what I found was that it, it doesn't always fit. You know, what someone else is doing with their guys, it doesn't always fit what you might need or what you're kind of doing. So right. Olympic lifting was, you know, one of the things that I think is, here's what I, my belief on Olympic lifting in high school football or any sport in high school is most really good Olympic lifters, and you know this better than anyone, yeah. started – at such a young age yep. of such great motor patterns, mm-hmm. um, learning that lift. And it's a very, very technical lift. Mm-hmm. And I think it has huge benefits. So I tried to teach some of these. And so what I used to tell my football kids is, I bet you guys have got the happiest parents alive. And they'd be, why is that, coach? Because not a damn one of you can hump. Not a single one of you will get anybody pregnant because none of you have the capability to hip hinge and smash your hips through. Either that or y'all have got the maddest girlfriends in high school right now because this is ridiculous. And it used to drive me crazy, Tom. I mean, it's probably still the same way. Yes, yes. You know, because these guys don't, like, you're just going to hinge back on your hips. And what do they do? flexion in their low back and they yep. bend over, you know, like there's some old man. Yeah. And I'm just like, Oh, this, this is crazy. So it was really interesting. Oh. So you'd get a kick out of this. Um, our, my sports performance coach, the guy, so at the gym, we have two main businesses that we run. We have our sport development program and then we have the weightlifting team. Um, right. we, we wanted to be a strength and conditioning facility that utilized all athletes, but we've grown, we both programs have grown and kind of forged their own path. So one of my old training buddies, who used to be at MDUSA with me when I was at that training center down in Charlotte, he runs the sports performance program, and he used to be oh, a strength cool. coach for, at Bennett. Right. Um, Bennett Academy up here, which is a Catholic uh, a high school football team. He was a strength coach there and a running backs coach. He played college football, college baseball. And then I run the weightlifting team, and then we kind of help each other out. Like, we're each other's assistants in the other program. And he, like, the first time, the first couple of kids we got in the program, when we first opened the new space, um, he would just walk away just so frustrated because they couldn't get an athletic, they couldn't get in an athletic position because they couldn't hinge their hip properly. You know, yes. I, know I know you know where this is going. Oh, and God. he just like, and he just walks away and he goes, how do they not know how to hinge their hip? And I was like, look, I was like, I'm a PE teacher. I was like, 
you should see our scores on some of the fitness tests that we have to give these kids. Like we did a whole fitness unit and I literally just spent two weeks teaching kids how to squat properly. Like lunging, holding a squat in the bottom, like all, like, and it's just, it's all just about that hip flexion because, you know, we, we promote in society today, just a lot of sitting. Yes. And just, we don't teach the proper mechanics. Like, you know, when you and I were younger, like going outside was like the thing to do. Like I remember, like, oh, yeah. especially during this, during the summers, like sun up till the, till the, the, the streetlights came on, mm-hmm. you were outside doing something. It's not that way anymore. Like there's just so many different things that are at a kid's disposal. Like they're going outside is like one of the last options that they're going to, you know, yes. they're, they're going to exhaust. So they just don't have those motor patterns anymore. And so like sometimes we get kids in here that just have never done anything athletic in their life and they're about, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old signing up for our sports performance program so they can make some traveling squad that they want to be a part of. And it's just it's funny that you mentioned that because I mean that was that's that's my coach's biggest issue when oh. he's working with brand new kids is yeah. just teaching them how to hip hinge. Um, and I mean, the other thing too, is like kids, they get so into that specialized, like if it doesn't directly pertain, they think to their sport, like baseball, for instance, we had a kid, um, we had a kid who couldn't run like, um, zigzag, like he couldn't, we, we, we put out like different cone patterns and stuff like that. Yeah. He couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't do different stuff or if you put like a resistance. You put a resistance band on him. Like my coach does a lot of the resistance banded starts yeah. on a sprint. He mm-hmm. couldn't do it because he's like, I can't push. It's like, well, no, that's the whole point. Like you have to work harder than you yes. normally would. And so, yeah, it's just, it's really interesting that you mentioned that even like back then it being an issue versus now, but like, yeah, the Olympic lifts, um, that's one of the few, that's one of the last things. Like we have tiers for our sports performance program. We have, we have mm-hmm. five tiers right now. And and our coach, my my coach Mike, he has uh, markers in place. Like you have to pass every single marker when it's tested to move on to the next tier. And so like once you're in like tier three of the five tier program, we start incorporating variations of the Olympic lifts. Like we'll do hang power cleans, we'll do overhead squats, like snatch balances, stuff like that, just to work that general athleticism. But these kids spend months, you know, some kids have spent years building up to that because they're just they lack those basic mechanics uh that you know are required to you know in, in, yeah. in, a, in a sense be an athlete yeah to jump yeah that's the same uh you know that's kind of the, almost the same thing joe ken does you know especially with his college guys uh you know of course now he's at carolina but uh you know joe used to you know when i went up and visited with joe he broke down his tier system for me and I was like, you know, maybe I should have done it like that. But, and then I'll get into my, you know, my next point of that is not only could they not hinge, I only had a, you know, a small time with them. Yeah. You know, so you only have, you know, a certain amount of time. So after the first year, I was like, well, all the other strength and conditioning coaches are doing this. So if I want to be a good one, I need to. After the first year, that's when I said, no, I can't do this. Let you know what? They're better coaches than me if they can teach Olympic lifts because I'm spending so much time instructing Olympic lifting that I'm I'm missing out on I could have already had three other things done. Yeah, so I'm not getting enough work in for these guys. Yeah, so yeah. So what I did is I took bits and pieces of Olympic lifting and kept it in but didn't do mm-hmm. full Olympic lifting. And then I yeah, got to think yeah. I'm not training these kids to be Olympic lifters. They right. just got to be explosive. Right. So right after that, so 
and then of course there's a whole speed component to this thing and you know that's what i was trying to get to was hey this will help make your kids more explosive if you right. do these olympic lifts well then i started you know delving in more research and one of louis quotes that i love the most is he says uh every single lift can be made explosive hell i can make curls explosive right and i thought bingo that's and you're, and you're that's, talking louis you know, simmons from west side barbell yes louis right. from west side so soon when he said that i was just like wow that makes sense to me and i can actually use that i can transfer that out so i quit doing a lot of or i quit trying to do like a power clean like mm. what i call a power clean is from the floor I know Olympic guys call it just the clean, uh, but I, I always refer to it as the power clean, and that let us know it's from the floor. My hang clean is basically, I think, what you guys refer to as a power clean because it's just from the hips or the hang. Uh, uh, power, power, clean, power clean is just how high you catch it. Gotcha. Okay. So we did. I did do hang clean stuff to work the hips through and different stuff like that. Started studying speed in 99. And have never quit. Uh, yeah. So I'm, you know, every aspect of speed I can, you know, I, I, you know, try to delve into. So those, that's a big part of my background is I was handed, you know, the weight room and strength and conditioning program with these kids and had to come up with this. Now, a couple things I have come up with that I'm actually pretty proud of is, is we have, and you mentioned earlier, so you had 20 something kids on your team. So those 20 kids had to play the full time. Like mm -hmm. we didn't have, yeah, there we wasn't didn't subs, substitute. Like, yeah, you never, right. never rotations of lines. Cause we went from first team to fourth team in a hurry. Yeah. You might have a kid you could put in at times, but it was very hard to do. So not only did my kids have to know probably two positions each, because mm -hmm. if someone got hurt, we could rotate stuff around. They also had to be in better shape than any team we played because we had so few kids. Right. So I came up with different conditioning protocols. So one of my pet peeves used to be when I was playing football, and I'm sure you can totally agree with this. Uh, guys, take a lap to warm up. Take, mother, I don't want to yeah. take a lap in these big-ass pads and my thighs rubbing together the whole entire time as we run around the football field goalpost yeah, yeah. and back down here. So I always thought, what a waste of 45 seconds or a minute or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. a waste. So I cut that out. And I see today the god-awfulest conditioning, you know, protocols and it's not even a protocol because these guys don't know what conditioning is they right. just do it because it's what they did in high school right and yeah. here's the beauty of high school athletes and if anybody listens to this it's coaching high school kids you can you can write this down and be like hey there's always this when you think you're doing something wrong with a high school kid high school kids are so hard to screw up right it's so hard to mess up a high school kid. Mm -hmm. And so really anything you're kind of doing, you know, is going to help them. But why do it the wrong way with them? Why not do the right way and get 100% out of them instead of maybe 75? Right. So, you know, I, I came up with different ways of doing conditioning. And I looked at who's the greatest conditioned athlete. 
Have you ever just grabbed a buddy and wrestled or tried to fight with him for 30 seconds? Yeah. Okay. So I took what MMA guys do, mixed martial arts guys. I took what their protocols were and put them into actual football conditioning stuff. Right. So then I took... It makes perfect sense, like the rounds and the intervals and all that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, So then I looked at how do you play football? All right, if you're a fast break team, if you're a no huddle offense, then you're going in about every 15 seconds. Yep. So I need to burst every about 15 seconds. So I, I set up the protocol well. around that. If you're, of course, if you're a slower, you know, slow down run team, then yeah, about every 25 seconds. So what I did is I had three MMA days. Monday, Wednesday, Friday was our mixed martial arts stations that we did, and I split guys up into four or five and we had four or five stations set up and we would run each station for about five minutes and they would go for this full time then on my tuesdays and thursdays um we did a different you know style we had two different styles of you know conditioning i did but i just looked at how your you know how do your kids play football you know what why do why does it and then I always wondered, why do you condition a kid in January when I'm pretty sure you're not even going to play a game till September? Why, why are you taking away this kid's time to get big and strong and powerful and making him run laps? Stupid. It's stupid. <laughs> Man, I wish, and, you, I wish you were my football coach. <laughs> I mean, it's just dumb. Because that was the other thing, too, Tom, was having, you know, a hundred and... 20 and 30 and 40 pound kids, I thought, I got to get these kids jacked yeah. by August. So it would take me three weeks, literally three weeks, to get my kids into really, really good shape yeah. as long as they didn't have anything else going on. Right. You know, if they didn't have an injury or something like that. So um, that's where a lot of, you know, a lot of my background comes from. Uh, Dark Side Athletics spurned out of an accident, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mark Valini and I were talking one day, and I had started uh, doing strength and conditioning for a small college uh, just down the road. And, the, the volleyball team, right? Yeah, the volleyball team. I had the volleyball team, the softball team. I had the bas- both basketball teams. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I had started doing this stuff, and I was looking at what other guys were doing, and I was talking to Mark, and he and I were both uh, – we were both big – Louis Simmons, you know, West Side conjugate kind of stuff. Now, he's more conjugate than I am. Yeah, I'm yeah. conjugate with, and I do this with everything. There's never been a greater thief than me. Yeah. Because I will steal everything you've got. And I got this from Mike Bull. Mm-hmm. Mike Bull said one time, and God, I hope Mark Valenti listens to this because he hates Mike. Uh, Mike Bull told me one time, he said, you show me a good thief, I'll show you a good trainer. And... Yeah. So basically, I will steal bits and pieces from a lot of stuff I get. Um, Joe DeFranco and I think a lot alike. Like yeah, a lot of stuff yeah. Joe DeFranco does. I, I love Joe you know, DeFranco I did. Stuff. Yeah, Joe does a lot of really good stuff. He keeps stuff simple. keeps stuff basic. Yeah. Um, you know, but effective. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like a lot of his stuff. Louie, you know, Mark and I met with Louie, you know, a couple of times. Had dinner with him one night. Uh, I mean, so... Louie has a lot of great stuff, but I think, you know, there's times that, you know, he'll, he throws stuff out there and I'm like, whoa, whoa, Louie, I'm not for sure. 
I'm, yeah. I'm not for sure about that, but okay. Um, I think the man's a genius. I think he's, yeah. you know, I think he's so far ahead of his time on certain stuff. But have you, have you listened ahead. real quick about Louie? I, I, I was I was listening to another podcast and then I had to hear it for myself. Have you heard him on Joe Rogan, Louis Simmons? I have not. Okay, so um, it, it's it's I, I really like that podcast. I've listened to it twice now. Yes, Joe's um, and, got a great one. Yes, yeah. But apparently when he had Louie on, like he's talking about all the stuff about Louie and he's like, hey, I'm really excited to have you on. Like I've heard a lot about you. Reverse hypers, love it, blah, 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 blah. And then like Louie comes in and he goes, thanks, Jim. And then like continues on like with his whole, like, <laughs> like to, uh, his, his whole like spiel or whatever. And I like, I heard it and I'm like, no, he didn't. And then I went and listened. I'm like, oh yeah, he did. And I just like... You, you get tired sometimes of here, and I think that's the the, the rap that Louis gets. Is you get a lot of people that talk that, that he has the same things over and over and over. Well, he's been doing this like yeah. forever. Like you can yeah. only say the same thing so many different times before you just start repeating yourself. Yeah. And like he just doesn't care. He's 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 what in his seventies now, sixties. Yeah, he he doesn't. I, I mean, that, he just he it. doesn't care, and it's like nobody. It, it just that just cracked me up though when you mentioned Louis Simmons. Like I, I, I figured, I figured you'd appreciate that. Somebody like as big as oh, Joe Rogan great. has yes. Louis Simmons come on. And he's like, "Thanks, Jim." Or I, I think it's yeah. I can't remember what he said, but it was another J name that wasn't <laughs> Joe. And I just started laughing and all that stuff. But yeah, no, oh. I'm a big fan of a lot of stuff. That's on my uh, list of things to do before you know something unfortunate. You know, uh, you know, before Louis passes, I want to get out to Westside and just kind of sit out there, hang out with him for a little bit, talk to him and stuff like that. Valenny said he likes throwers and weightlifters, so yeah, I'm he hoping does. that that'll uh, he uh, put me in he, his good graces and all that stuff. He really but, now there was a when we went down to this clinic, yeah. um, we took we took Louis. And his wife out to dinner. Yeah. And so we're sitting there eating with them and, you know, talking. And mind you, we couldn't really find anywhere in Nashville to eat. So yeah. we had to go to a Hooters. So we're nice. eating a Hooters with Louie. So the next day, Louie's talking. Now, here's the one thing I will say about Louie, that if he's <laughs> – when he gets off topic, man, is he off topic. Yeah, right. So he's supposed to be talking about speed. Mm-hmm. And – He's throwing numbers at these people right and left yeah. from the 60s and 70s. And you can tell these high school coaches are lost. Yeah. When he Mark starts talking about his percentages there. with the yes. accommodating resistance. Well, yeah. Wasn't even so much that, Tom, as he was. Well, back in 1966, uh, uh, such and such hit a uh, such and such total and da-da-da-da-da. Oh, and okay. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, how the hell does he remember that? Oh, yeah. And second of all, is he just making this up? Yeah. There's, <laughs> just... there's sometimes I've gone to fact check like, totals and things that he's put out. <laughs> yeah. Like, especially, especially on the weightlifting side. Because I'm like, man, how the hell do you know that? And like exactly. he'll, talk, he'll talk about like David Rigger or some of these other guys. I'll go look it up and I'm like, no, nah, he's right. That that actually he, happened. Yes. I mean, he, you know, I've never doubted him on that. But, yeah. So as we're going through this, he points to me and Mark. He said, well, ask these two guys. They've been to my place. A few, few phrases later, you know, just ask these two guys. They've been up there. Well, that was a death sentence because yeah. afterwards, everybody flew up there and we had, Mark and I had coaches around us, like me and him or Louie, yeah, asking yeah. us questions. You know, how do you set this up? How do you do blah, 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 you know, back and forth, back and forth. That's and me funny. and Mark are looking at each other like, how the hell do you not know how to set this up? I mean, right. it's so simple. But, right. you know, Just that was, read. you know, that getting in, you know, doing, getting into Westside 
um, you know, and trying to put it into not only so much with my kids and with that was myself. Yeah. Experimenting with myself. Absolutely. Uh, so now you'll love this one. I'll tell this story, Tom, and then we'll we'll get on our other topics. But so I called. Uh, uh, oh my God! Total blank right here. As I was training, probably my second year as a pro, and I'm uh, I'm going into. You're a seasoned veteran. Yes. So I am in like 2000 and probably four yeah. or five, somewhere in that range. Because in 2000, let's see, I think it was 2005 or six, and I went out and spent a complete week with Ryan. Yeah. Uh, so I was with Ryan Vieira for a full week of just training. We talked training, talked throwing. I've still got all the notes, uh, you know, for being out there. It was really cool. Um, and I cannot think of the guy's last name right now, but there's a guy named Don from Boston. Mm-hmm. And he was, at the time, he was a master's thrower. And he was like, he, he was the first one that broke 20 feet in a weight over bar. Oh, wow. And it was just unheard of. So, and his name will come to me here in a minute, the last name. But, so I call him and I get his phone number, call him up. And because back then, again, you weren't sending out texts and, you know, things like that. So right. I picked the phone up and I call him and I say, hey, do you mind, you know, if you've got a little bit, could you, you know, I want you to take me through. Don had went and actually trained in Russia with the shot putters. So he had actually really been in the Russian system. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like the origin, the origination of like the dynamo yes. club system. Yeah, exactly. So when I called, when I called out, uh, you know, to talk to him, he's from Boston and the accent was, it took me a minute and I'm sure the, the hillbilly probably, you know, my hillbilly accent probably didn't help him either. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm talking to him, and he's going over the stuff that they did, you know, exercises and the way they kind of did their protocol and all this stuff. So I just wanted to know basically about, you know, how do you set your, how's the weight training set up? So we went through it, and it was just like Westside. Two mm-hmm. dynamic days, two max effort days. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now here's the funny part. How many times... And I know you're on Instagram as much as I am. Do you see a meme making fun of something about a Smith machine? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Every day. I always Craig, giggle to Craig myself. Craig Smith invented the Smith machine. <laughs> That's right. He did. So I always laugh because I have a Smith machine in my gym and mm-hmm. we use the fire out of that thing because I've got people that are injured. I got mm-hmm. people that, um, you know, have a bad shoulder. I got people that, you know, all kinds of different stuff. I've got, you know, bodybuilders use it. So it always cracks me up when I see all these memes about Smith machines, all this stuff. And I'm just sitting there thinking it's probably some 19 year old kid. That's, you know, probably 130 pounds soaking wet that, you know, wrote that to look cool. But anyway, so one of the biggest exercises that they did was they did Smith machine barbell throws Mm. on the bench and well, I said, well, Don, why didn't – I said, so you used a Smith machine? He said, oh, yeah. He said, we used that for a lot of stuff. Yeah. And he said what they would do is lay down flat, and they would throw the bar, literally throw the bar off of them, catch, recoil, and throw. And he said, we used the Smith machine because we knew exactly where the bar was going to be. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, okay, genius. <laughs> so uh, then he was telling me about their speed squats. 
So imagine that you're standing there with your, just say your knees are locked mm -hmm. and you've got 300 on your back. Yep. And somebody comes up behind you and whacks you in the back of the legs with a baseball bat. Yeah. You drop so fast. Yeah. He explained to me that's how they did their speed squats, is they dropped as fast as they could, and as soon as they felt their self drop, they would try and recoil out into a jump. Hmm. So he starts telling me the numbers that they've got on the bar, and I'm sitting here like, no way in hell can I do that Yeah. without just seeing my knees, you know, just, you know, shoot out from underneath me. Now, is this I mean, on a Smith machine, or is this not no, on a No, this okay. was just a regular barbell, so... Yeah, yeah. So that was, again, some of the stuff that, you know, so I really started, I really started delving into a lot of the, and, you know, as everyone's seen the Ulf Timmerman, you know, videos of him doing all the crazy stuff. Um, yeah. And I always love when people are like, oh, well, he can do all that stuff because he's on so many drugs. Get over it, hypocrite. Do you not think all of them are on drugs? Give me a break. Drugs don't do the work. Exactly. You know, another good Louie quote where he's got an empty steroid bottle behind the bench shirt, and he says, I'm still waiting for that shirt to bench 500. <laughs> Meaning, you've got, you know, you've yeah. got to put the work in. Like, the work's got to be put in. Right, don't get me wrong. Now, weightlifting is a highly uh, uh, tested sport. Some yes. of these, like, strongman stuff like that isn't. Here's my deal. If you have your rule, like, it, somebody explained it best to me. I mean, I'm not going to put their name out there and all that stuff, um, just in case, like, they don't want this known or whatever. But uh, when it came to drugs and competing and sports and stuff like that, he said speeding on the highway is against the law. But how many of you still do it? Mm-hmm. Like, so he pretty much was just trying to say, like, yes, it is against the rules in some sure. sports. It's a moral thing. It, it, that is all it is. It's, it's not, like... You know, yes, in the United States it is legal to have this stuff. In other countries, it's not though. And he just he just compared it to speeding, and I I, I love that analogy. Like Perfect. speed, like for sure, speeding is against the law. How many times do you see fifty five on you know the major highway, and you're like, screw this, I'm going seventy. Right. Like you, you, I mean, so it just like for the the for the sports that I compete and I coach in, you follow the list of the set of rules that are given, mm -hmm. but. If it is well within the parameters of the sport that you compete in, like just shut up, like because you still got to do the work. At the end of the day, somebody exactly. can be juiced out of their minds, but that doesn't mean they're going to be automatically the best they are. Like no. you and I both probably competed against guys that were like juicing to the gills, but we could still beat them because they they just automatically assumed that they were going to have the advantage because of what they were doing, and they didn't work as hard as we did. So I, I hate when people are like, oh, drugs. It's like no, you still got to do the work. Drugs or not, yes. like it's just not going to magically make you better. No. But, you know, and that's a, a, a big part of another thing I try and teach with my kids is the mental game. Yeah. And I learned that through Highland Games. So basically, you know, when I started, you know, training, you know, myself and trying to learn all this stuff and, and gain an advantage, my first thought was, if I'm a better athlete than everybody on the field, then I'll win. Yeah. That makes complete sense, correct? Right. Okay. So what I found out is that, you know, a mental game – and Ryan Vieira had one of the strongest mental games yeah, yeah, that did. there was. I got very fortunate to watch him throw once in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it was one of the he, coolest things ever. He, His mental game is just, it's unbelievable. I mean, he's so, he's really, he's really tough, you know, yeah. and it's because his mental game. Yeah. And when I finally realized that, I went out, uh, actually had a book dropped in my lap literally uh 
I'm going to have to look the name of it up. But so I started really delving into this book and it helped me probably more than any training thing ever helped me. Because it was a mental thing. So it's something I started, uh, I'd have to look, I had to send it to you, Tom, because I cannot remember it. It's an older book. uh, And this guy actually got a lot of this stuff, uh, was a lot of the Russian methods um, that he was using. So it, uh, that helps me way more than being juiced to the Gilwood. Yeah. You know, because if you lose your mind, you know, if you're, especially in in throwing, you know, you've thrown enough, you know, that if you think too hard in the back, well, you've messed up completely. Absolutely. Because you, you've slowed yourself down. Absolutely. You know, I, one yeah. of the things that I tell my athletes all the time is let your mind go and your ass will follow. Oh, yeah. You know, just let go of you know what to do. Yeah. Now just go do it and, and do it faster and stronger than you've ever done it. And, and we don't do that. Exactly. You know, we, I mean, we overthink like, things. Like in weightlifting, when my athletes are at meets, bigger competitions, stuff like that. Like the number one thing I'm always telling them is I'm like, just shut up. I was like, you pay me to think for you. You just shut up and go do the work. Like you've done a million reps. Oh, I just hit her microphone. Not good. Um, you just, uh, you, you've done a million reps. Just go out there and do it. Like do exactly. it just like you did everything else. I'll think for you. I'll figure out your attempts. I'll see how that looked. I'll give you feedback. But just go and do. And that's, yeah, the mental thing is just. So that brings me to my, 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 my question for you is. Besides, like, the mental game, like, what is something you see nowadays with, because I feel like uh, lately, uh, not lately, uh, in this day and age, I spend more time working with athletes on their mental side of things. You can train somebody until you're blue in the face, but if they don't have that mental lockdown, you know, ready to go, I feel like all the training in the world isn't going to help. So um, what, what are some of the things that you do to kind of, to, 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 to help and push people through those mental barriers that they may be having that can unlock some crazy potential once they, once they get through those barriers? Well, it'll always depend on my kid. Like it'll depend on what kind of kid they are. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got them in different, um, you know, I have them in different categories, right? You know, cause I have the kids that, you know, that are really gritty and yeah. I know is going to give me every single thing they've got Absolutely. every single time they walk in the door because yep. they want to succeed. They want to be the best. Absolutely. Um, you know, I've got a little soccer player right now that if I had every one of them was like her, yeah, I, it, I would have the easiest job in the world. Right. Because she, as, as going into a freshman last year, yeah. she said, I want to play. And I want to eventually start at the end of the year. And I was like, okay. I said, now careful what you wish for. I said, because you're going to, you know, we're going to have to really push the envelope. And she said, I'm ready. She was ready. She, she gave me everything she had. We finished her last two weeks off with two a days. Mm-hmm. Now I'm taking a soccer kid through two a days. Yeah. And one of her two a days was like a strongman medley watered down of course but here's a soccer kid now why would you do that why would you take a kid th- because i'm teaching toughness as well as right. cardio under tension right absolutely and people what always people always say to me well kale you got to make sure and get some cardio in and i'll always say well i'll tell you what won't you come to a deadlift session with me and you tell me if we get enough cardio in god yes please and you know or a squat workout you know yeah. do 20 rep squats and tell me 
Right. Call me 20 minutes later when you've quit breathing hard. Right. You know, and so she was she was ready, you yeah. know, and I wanted to push her past the limit that she thought she could go. Yeah. Because then she knows, hey, I can get there. So it's no different than if someone's scared of the dark. Right. And you walk into a dark room and you still got the light from the outside and you only take one step in. Yeah. So now let's take two steps in. Well, hey, everything's still okay. Now let's take another step. So we get into that, you know, for better, or lack of better terms and getting cliche, we get into that real deep water Yeah. to let those kids know, hey, I'm going to be okay. I can make it there. Absolutely. You know, and I tell them, your mind's going to shut down before your body will. Yep. Your mind will make you quit before your body does. So Absolutely. don't let that happen. No. So one of the ways I do that, and a simple way I do this, and you know this from lifting, what happened when you started getting stronger and bigger? Confidence. Yeah. Total confidence in anything you're doing. So I had a kid, uh, my kid that won uh, state and pole vault uh, yeah. last year. I wish, I wish, I wish I could have had film of him coming in the first two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Head down, shoulders rolled over, skinny, meager, couldn't squat 135. Yeah. I mean, kid looked defeated as soon as he walked in the door. Right. So I couldn't get on him like I do some of my other kids. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I say I tell parents ahead of time, and this is the love of my job, because you can't do this as you explained earlier. Yeah, yeah. I'll cuss a kid. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I'll get their attention that way. I'm not cussing that kid to be a bully. I'm not right. cussing that. I'm cussing that kid so they'll open up and be like, oh, okay, he's serious. I got you know. Let yeah, me wake no, up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's my it's personality. Right. It's the way right. I do it. And I'll tell parents, hey, your little Johnny's probably going to get his feelings hurt today. And they're like, oh, that's okay. And I always laugh because, you know, I think, you know, you parents don't really know what I mean. Because yeah. you've never yeah. really hurt little Johnny's feelings like I'm going to. Right. But if you can't handle, that's another thing that, that I teach mentally. If you can't handle me yelling at you because you didn't do your lunges right, what do you think is going to happen Whenever you get in the real world. Yeah, exactly. You know, or, you know, let's take it back. Let's, you know, you're in college playing ball. You don't think, you don't think that coach is going to get on your ass? Well, you're crazy. Yes, yeah, Because it will happen. So it, it, those are just it, some of the things. Yeah, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned that. Cause like we, I, like I said, I teach uh, during the day and then I run the gym in the evening. And, um, we had kids, we did a, we did a free night for a lot of my students. They're like, I want to come work out at your gym. I want to come work out at your gym. And I'm like, are you sure? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did like a free, like open house night. My, my coach, <laughs> one of our assistants, and I just kind of hung out. Um, I was just there kind of talking to the parents while the kids were doing, going through the workouts and stuff like that. And a bunch of my students that like to mess around during class started doing the same stuff. And I went over and I ripped into them. And they just wow. had this look on their face. And I, like, I pulled all of them in real close. And I got down. I, like, I, got, I put my hands on my knees. And I, I hunched over. And I said, look. I was like, we are not at school anymore. I was yeah. like, you are here. You are here because your parents want you to do a job. It is my job to make sure you get it done. I was like, and I am going to motivate you any which way I see, I see fit. I said, your parents are already okay with this. I was like, so if you want to continue to screw around, this is how it's going to be. You want to just... Keep your voices down. Pay attention to what the coaches are telling you and do exactly what you're told. I said, we're going to have a lot of fun. And it was really funny because about half of the kids ended up staying on to work with us 
and nice. the other half, the ones that I just knew weren't gonna like, they just wanted yeah. they just wanted to come and play and mess around with their friends. I I, I never heard from them again. Like I see them at school and stuff like that, and you know we got a great yeah. relationship at school. But it's just it's funny you mentioned that because yeah, it's 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 a completely different dynamic. And we tell people all the time, like our our unofficial tagline of the gym is we hold you accountable. We're not gonna hold your hand. Now, like you said, every nice. kid walk in, they Very get nice. a little bit of they get a little bit of a different treatment based on their mentality and their their mm-hmm. their just the the. The, the way they project themselves. Like, there are some kids I can tell right away when they walk in. Like, I start yelling, that kid's going to shut down. I'm never going to hear from him again. So, yep. some kids were a little bit, you know, we handle just a little bit differently, but it's the same thing. Like, we just try to just constantly push the envelope just a little yep. bit. And that confidence thing is a great thing because we have a kid who he's been with us since the beginning of the sports performance program when we were at another gym. Um, I used to own a CrossFit and then I sold it. And this kid started out in our our youth summer camps that we ran. His mom signed him up because she didn't want him sitting on his butt all summer. So he came right. in and was doing this camp with his sister, who was like three or four years younger than him. And he hated every minute of it because he just did not want to work out. He was a video games, computer guy, like just never went outside. Um, and then after the summer camp thing ended, the mom's like, will you personal train him? I was like, I really don't do personal training, like one-on-one stuff. I do group stuff. like, But yeah, we'll get something sort of. So I was working with him a little bit here and there. And then my other coach came on. I'm like, hey, do you want to work with this kid? Like, it's not that I don't. I just, I, my time is limited. Like, if you want to take him on, I'd be more than happy to pass him on. So we started working out with him. Then we started the sports performance program. And, like, this kid couldn't, could not, you know, do a quarter squat, you know, without some sort of assistance or some sort of yeah. aid, like holding on to a post, something like that. Um, shoulders slouched, head always down. But the kid was, like, 6'2". Um, he was, like, 13 years old, like, 6'2", like, just a gigantic child. Um, and like now, you know, almost three years later or two years later, he's a freshman in high school, walks around, shoulders are back, like chest, nice and tall. Um, and wow. he's one of, he's one of our most consistent kids has no athletic ambition whatsoever. Like he's in theater. He just like, and the, the moral of the story was he eventually was watching all our sports performance kids. Our sports performance kids all work out in like a class structure and he right. was doing his own work off to the side one day. And he just comes up to me and he goes, can I go work out with them? And I was like, yeah, if you want. I was like, I said, we, he goes, how come I wasn't allowed to? I said, it's not that you were allowed to. I just didn't want to push you to that unless you felt like you could handle it. He goes, he looks at me, he goes, I can handle it. Like very like nonchalantly. So I'm like, all right. I was like, as long, I was like, as, long as your mom's cool with it, like I'm fine with it. And she signed off and all that. And he's one of our most consistent kids. He comes in. Uh, you know, he does, he does all the stuff, the deadlifts, the cleans, you know, every once in a while he'll do some snatches, the squatting, the benching, all that stuff. And he's going into his sophomore year. And like you said, just the confidence aspect alone that this kid yes. exudes, um, yeah. like he, he, kids deal with so much more these days between the cyberbullying and all this stuff. And he, the mom has said numerous times on occasions, like, you know, he, he just, he handles it all so much better now than when he did when he was in junior high, the junior high, he would just kind of close up and just not say anything. And now he'll speak up and be like, no, I don't want to do that. Like, no, you're an idiot. Like kind of a deal. And he'll come in and tell yeah. us, he'd be like, man, like all this stuff. And we just kind of give him that constant, like, yeah, you're doing the right things. Like you're doing a great job kind of a stuff. And I, like, I'm going to be really sad when that kid goes off to college. Um, cause he wants to be an accountant CPA. Like he's going to probably make more money than I'll ever see in my life. <laughs> but, uh, it's just, it's just kids like that, that you really like to have in the gym and work yes. with and stuff like that. And like I said, he has no athletic ambitions. He doesn't want to do sports. And that was completely okay with us. Like I, I would take 10 kids like that, that just come in and do the work every day yeah. and, you know, mind their own business. They don't like, we joke around, like he, he's, he's turning into quite a smart aleck cause I think he's hanging out with me a little too much, but, um, <laughs> Cause I'll say so, like, cause he came in one day. I don't even remember what day it was. Oh, he, he usually comes in Monday, Wednesday, Friday. 
Um, and he started coming in Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I started giving him crap about it. I said, George, I said, you're throwing off my schedule. I was like, why aren't you coming in on Fridays anymore? And he turns around and looks at me and goes, Fridays are for the boys. And just gets back, goes back to like pushing the sled or whatever he was doing. And I was just like, it's like, all right, well played. So, but yeah, that's, it's, I'm glad to hear that there's just more, you know, coaches out there and stuff like that. So, um, you know, where do you see things heading? Like if you're, if there are strength coaches or people that are working with, whether it's high school athletes, middle school athletes want to start their own gig or whatever, what are just some pieces of advice that you have for them to push, you know, just, just, just to, just to continue this trend going? Because I feel like me personally, I feel like there needs to be a call to get back to basics. I feel Mm -hmm. like everything is getting way too specialized. We have, you know, 10 year olds playing hockey year round. Um, baseball, baseball pitchers that are doing fall ball, they're doing, you know, simulated pitching sessions during the winter. Then they're doing their high school or, you know, junior high season. Then they're doing summer ball. Like it's just year round nonstop. And I personally feel like there needs to be a call back to basics. Teach the kids how to run, teach the kids how to jump, teach the kids how to push up, teach the kids how to just be healthier and try different things, play multiple sports, stuff along those lines. So if you're, if you had the chance to give, you know, any up and coming strength and conditioning coach or somebody, you know, teacher, fitness related individual, like what are some pieces of advice that you're, you know, that, that you want to pass on to them? Well, I think in terms of where I see it going, I see it, you know, I, I've seen the industry rise. I've seen like my clientele, you know, come up in the last, and I think a lot of it has to do with social media because right. people see that. So, and I told this to somebody one day, it was actually at a Highland game uh, in Tennessee, and the guy says, um, you know, I really, I like some of the stuff you put out. I said, just some of the stuff? And he said, yeah, just some of the stuff. And he, you know, said he was a fitness professional. Mm -hmm. And so he, you know, he's in the fitness industry. So I think, I think you're exactly right. We've got way too much my soccer girls. I'm like, hey, girls, did you forget how to kick a soccer ball last month? Because you're playing again this month. Same thing with pitchers. You know, mm-hmm. I got a, I got baseball kids, basketball kids. Here's the problem, Tom. Right here's the problem. Is you're not getting recruited in high school anymore in no, your sport. This is true. Okay. Yeah. You're only getting recruited when you get all the guys that are AAU yep. uh, clubs. You know, it's in every sport. Every single sport but football is now recruited because here's the problem. Uh, We've got four, we have, yes, we have four high schools in the town I'm in. Mm -hmm. And we probably have about, I have one of the elite soccer players that's, she'll just be 15. She plays on a team that's not very good. She's going to play against a team across town that's not very good. Mm-hmm. Then she's going to play a county over where their team stinks. Mm-hmm. So these guys never see her against really good talent, so it's hard to evaluate, hey, is she worth a scholarship? So that's why that you have all the club stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. I used to get so angry about it. Number one, schedule around it. It's yes. impossible. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, I've got kids right now that, you know, it's softball was bad, too, because I've got an elite level softball player that's been with me for about, this will be her fourth year. 
And in high school, it was it was crazy. Like trying to get her workouts in around her travel ball schedule in the summer. Yep. Oh my wow. god, it's crazy. So the problem is, is it you don't really these kids don't have a choice. You know, it's it's like I said the other day. I hear people bitching about, well, now everybody's just a trophy kid. Well, now everybody, you know, we don't even keep score anymore. Who started that? It wasn't the kids, yeah. you idiots. Yeah. It was parents. It was you guys. The same people bitching about the problem is the people that created the problem. Exactly. You're the peop- You're the ones that has made it like this. You know, you're the ones that has created this world of softness. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have. So I feel like that. If anything, it's going to get more specialized, mm-hmm. and I think you're going to see, and I see this all the time, I, I see a lot of wasted exercises. Yes, yes. And I'm guilty sometimes because I don't put just my basic stuff on there, but my kids never go without some type of, of, of posterior chain work all the time, especially mm-hmm. for my girls. They always are, we're always doing some kind of single leg squat because athletes are always on a single leg. Yep. Um, you know, we're usually either squatting or deadlifting. Uh, and the two that, the two things that I feel like are neglected that we don't see enough of in athletes are pull-ups and dips. Mm. I feel like that those are the squat and the deadlift of the upper body, and we don't ever see it. My like wrestlers that. and my football kids my soccer girls, pull-ups and dips. Only time I don't do dips or pull-ups is if I've got a kid that's already got like an existing shoulder injury yeah. um, that's going to aggravate it. But, you know, I tell my wrestler kid all the time, hey, buddy, big is boring. Pull-ups and dips. Here we go. Yeah. So I feel like that we're – but what you said is dead on, that we've moved away from our basic element of what makes us strong in certain positions in every position really which is you know some type of squat some type of hinge some type of hold you know that stuff is kind of we've pushed that away for the uh bosu ball banded you know jump overs or you know my ed costner video my you know banded bosu ball deadlifts yeah i mean those are the kind of things I understand unstable training. Mm-hmm. If I'm strengthening the kids' ankles, then I do that in warm up or I do that at the end. That ain't my main exercise. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like the industry is actually going to grow. And I think if you're a if you're a coach and you're wanting to start something like you and I have, yeah, yeah, don't think big yet. Start small and build. So I, I see a lot of these people will, you know, they'll spend $50,000 on equipment and you get a place and you put it in there and it doesn't really matter. They got nobody to use it. Right. Exactly. So you got to build your clientele up. Yep. Uh, what I find funny, and I know you will too, is I'll hear people say all the time, you know, I'm thinking about training, you know, training people. Yeah. Cause it's that easy dipshit. It, yeah. it ain't. You got to get clients. You got to have people that trust you. So after I've had a personal training business in this town for, uh, let's see, 14, 15 years now. Yeah. yeah. 
okay? And I've had my gym for about four years. Mm -hmm. I've had my place I have now just for about two. And I have to not only, I can't just train athletes. So what people don't see me doing is training my 65-year-old, you know, couple. Training my, you know, 50-year-olds. Training my 70-year-old golfer. Training my all just normal people. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I don't make money, really, I don't make, my money's not made training my athletes. Yeah. My money is made off my housewives. Yeah. You know, people that want to get in better shape and do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if you're in a small town like I am, you better know a little bit of everything. And that's kind of why when you said, tell me, you know, how you got to where you're at, I kind of had to stop and think a minute. Because it has been a really long journey of 30 years in the iron game mm-hmm. and doing different stuff and and like trying to learn about everything. Like when I started, right. my first year started my CrossFit gym, which is not a CrossFit gym now, but when I first started, I had to really, really get into your world. Yeah, I had yeah. to do a lot of studying on Olympic lifts, mm-hmm. how to do them, mm-hmm. and you know, exactly what position and i started you know i phased out and was asking a couple people gene flynn who i've thrown with i don't know a hundred times yeah has been olympic lifting probably longer than i've been alive right so you know i used him a little bit but i just had to narrow everything down keep it simple but i had to really kind of learn right you know that again so when you said you know where i started uh how i kind of got to here that's why I laugh when I hear people say, well, I think I'll start a gym and just start training people. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, so it, that, 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 that's a great point to end on like plain and simple. Like you want to get into it. A, you better, you better be willing to learn. That's one thing that I've always, you know, that I've always been, to, I, I tell anybody like we've had interns and stuff like that. And he's like, what's the one thing I was like, you have to be con- like constantly learning. Anybody yes. that opens their mouth, I like. I love Brian Oldfield's uh, quote, where not every not every human is worthless. You can always serve as a bad example. I was like, like you know, I would always, you know, I would listen to everybody that had something to say, and then I would determine for myself if that was going to work or not. Um, but yeah. there are plenty of times I'd listen to people and I'd be like, that's what I shouldn't do. Like, you're always going to learn something, whether it's good or bad. Like, you're going to continue to learn, especially exactly. being in this industry. Like, and that's the other thing too that I feel like you can see with the gyms and the coaches and the Instagram models and stuff that fall off is they don't adapt to the times. Like Mike O'Hearn. I don't know how many people know who the hell Mike O'Hearn is. Um, but he's somebody like, God, how, how, how well has he adapted to the times? You know, he's been around forever. He's been around forever. Like he was around before I started paying attention. Then, you know, he was doing the, the, the gladiator thing. And now he's, you know, Mm -hmm. he's got the, the, the Mr. Physique thing going but it's just like he's always been able to just ride the wave and just kind of stay with the trend and stuff like that. And he is a household name still to this day. I would probably imagine he's been, you know, he's going on almost 20 years as a household name. But he's not yeah. a CrossFitter. He's not, you know, this whatever. He's just a dude that likes to lift weights and shares his knowledge. And he just stays with the trends and keeps, you know, not necessarily reinventing himself, but he just evolves with the industry. And I think that's one thing. Like, you need to be able to evolve with what's going on around you. Like you said, like learn other things so you can always add them to your arsenal and be just 
always have the yeah. door open because, like you said, like I love I love your quote, like show me a good thief, I'll show you a good trainer. Like I am constantly, I see somebody or somebody says something, and I'm like, I'm gonna try that or I'm gonna use right. that. Like it, it, yes. it just you're, you're not gonna get better otherwise. And I, I think that's some great stuff to. Uh, to, to, to end this portion on. So we're going to take a quick break and uh, get some words from our sponsors, and then we're going to move on into the lightning round. You ready? Ready. Okay, athletes. Let's take a quick break from the show to talk about the snatch. Oh, yes, the snatch. The lift that you either love or hate. I struggled with my lift for so long. I had the strength, but my technique sucked. Like, it really sucked. I would not encourage you to watch any of the old Cal Strength or MDUSA videos on YouTube, but if you do, it's out there looking awful. After years of muscling through it, I got serious about making my lift look better. I wrote up a plan, and for 30 days, I spent 10 to 15 minutes daily doing some drills and exercises. Wouldn't you know it, but the consistency pays off. Sure, maybe my snatch doesn't look like Harrison Mars, but it looked a hell of a lot better. And if you struggle with your pull or your lockout, or you're just constantly getting thrown back by the bar, I want you to go to snatch.thestrengthagenda.com. My training plan, 30 Days to a Better Snatch, is there for free. Just drop your name and your email and you'll get the whole plan I use and use on my lifters to go from struggle bus to smooth sailing in a month. Every day you'll get an email from me with videos to the exercises I want you to do, complete with instructions and cues to focus on. Seriously, if I could go back in time and have 2012 Tom do this, I would. I spent far too long fighting that bar instead of making it work for me snatch.thestrengthagenda.com think of where you could be in a month all right lightning round time these questions i got three questions for you ko they have absolutely nothing to do with anything um you're just going to answer the first thing that comes to your mind um i don't pre-screen these or anything like that. we got these from uh, over the past couple seasons just got a bunch of random questions like i said nothing to do with anything so the first very question is going to be i'll throw you through a loop here you're sitting at a bar uh old like uh wild wild west saloon style the door is open and every, all the music stops, like the piano stops playing, all that stuff. You turn around, you make eye contact with who just walked in the door. It is a penguin wearing a sombrero. What does he say to you? Uh, hola. I told, I warned you. He says he hola. Say to you? Hola. What? Hola. hola. That's it. All yeah. right. What kind of drink are you buying him? Uh, see, so he definitely looks like a uh, a bourbon and coke kind of penguin. All right, very good, very good. Okay, uh, these ones are a little bit more up your alley. Um, who's winning in a fight, Spider Man or Batman? Oh, Spidey, all day. Why? Why? Well, for one, he's way stronger, uh, you know, way quicker, uh, way more agile. I mean, just the whole package. I mean, what's right. Spider Man going to do? He can't even. He won't even be able to pull his tool belt. You know, he's this is true. You know, webs will be all over him. He's he's done. What about the whole fact that he's like smarter than all the other villain or uh, villains, all the other heroes and stuff like that? Like he's got a way to kill all the DC guys. Yeah, but he, I'm telling you right now, Spidey is hitting him like you know, it's like lightning. He's it's over. He's done. All right, fair enough, fair enough. All right, I'm gonna give you two uh, two more here. Um, if you could walk up to anybody, you know, past, present, you know, whatever, and kick them square in the shin, no repercussions, no nothing. Who are you kicking in the shins and why? It's got to be one person. Can't be a group. Mm, can't be a group? Oh, can't man. be a group. Got to be just one person. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to go with Mark Valini. All right. Fair enough. 
for those who don't know, Mark Valenti owns Blind Dog Gym, and he's going to have a broken shin when KO is done with him. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, last question. If you are a WWE wrestler, what's your name? What's your walkout music? Ooh, let's see. I'm going to go with the Adonis, and I'm coming out to uh, Genuine's Pony. All right. All right, I could see that. That'd be like you're gonna have like the robes and everything too, or just... oh, definitely a robe. Definitely gotta have a robe on. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So for people who want to find more, uh, find out more about you, want to follow you, want to you know you know pick your brain stuff like that. Um, where can they find you? You know, social media, websites, etc., all that stuff. Where can people get a hold of you? Plug time. Uh, easiest time or easiest way is you know I'm on Facebook. It's Carrie Overfelt. Uh, I'm constantly putting tips up. You will not see a bunch of uh, crappy political junk on mine. I stay away from that stuff. Thank uh, God. Yes. So Instagram uh, is also carried over fell on it. And it has a lot of our stuff on there and content of what we do, um, how we do stuff. And also have Dark Side Athletics is a Facebook page that if you want to go and follow there. Uh, but I'm really bad about putting stuff on there. So you're probably better off following me on Instagram and just on Facebook. Sounds good. Sounds good. Carrie, thank you very much for this, man. It was, it no, was a thank lot you. Of great thank you. All right. Take care, my man. All right. Take care, Tom. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Strength Agenda Radio. Be sure to visit strengthagendaradio.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover exclusive offers and resources for our listeners. Until next time, train hard, lift heavy.